Welcome to your friendly neighborhood film cast, a podcast where we spread the good word about movies every week. I'm your host, Jack, and with me today is... Audrey. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for being here, Audrey. I am very happy to have you here to talk about this movie in particular. The movie that we're covering this week is Sorry to Bother You, a 2018 film directed by Boots Riley. And it is described on Google as, In the alternate reality of present-day Oakland, California, telemarketer Cassius Green finds himself in a macabre universe after he discovers a magical key that leads to material glory. As Green's career begins to take off, his friends and co-workers organize a protest against corporate oppression. Cassius soon falls under the spell of Steve Lift, a cocaine-snorting CEO who offers him a salary beyond his wildest dreams. Which is an interesting plot summary. That is... It hits some of the beats, I think. Yeah. (laughs) So we're gonna really have a time diving into this movie. (laughs) Audrey, what are your background and overall thoughts with this movie? Um, So this movie had been on my radar for a little bit, but I actually didn't watch it until a year after it came out. So last year, 2019. Um, And I was a film student in school. And so I'm always really drawn to new directors. And this one in particular was like a really stylistic movie in the trailers and the way it was marketed. Um, I also love Lakeith Stanfield. So it's Mm -hmm. like, no question there. I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. Him and Tessa Thompson, I'm in. So um, my husband and I ended up watching it when we realized it was streaming on, uh, I don't know, I think Amazon at the time was streaming it, maybe Hulu. But gosh, without getting into spoilers, all I got to say is that this movie did not disappoint in terms of like its aesthetic that I feel like I really was drawn into with like the colors and the soundtrack and... Um, all the like costuming and set choices and everything that all 100% met my expectations plot was wildly beyond what I was thinking when I went into this movie it was completely different Um, it was a really good piece and um, I knew the social commentary was going to be pretty heavy-handed and I liked it so that's in general that's my impression of it that is a good impression Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, I remember it being on my radar as it was being released and being very intrigued by the premise and definitely by the cast. At the time, I was just kind of learning who Lakeith Stanfield was after seeing him in Get Out and Tessa Thompson in the double whammy of Thor Ragnarok in Annihilation. So I was very excited to see those two in something and I tried watching it a couple of years ago. I think it was late 2018. It was on Hulu and it was Christmas Eve and I was homesick and I sat down to watch it and I just could not pay attention to it. And I'm like, I'm going to set this aside for when I can fully give it my undivided attention. And unfortunately, that wasn't until a a month or two ago. It's okay. It's good. It's good that you waited. Oh, yeah. And the wild thing is, too, that I sat down in three different sittings to watch this. Like, I had to break up my viewings of it because I would always sit down to watch it and then I'd have something else to do in the evening. And so right before you get to the big twist of the movie is where I stopped it. So my 
final time sitting down, I immediately started that scene and I could not believe what was going on. Oh my gosh. Wow, that is uncanny. <laughs> it, it was wild. But uh, I will say I'm glad that I waited to watch this now because I think it's more relatable to me personally after working in a call center and I wasn't a telemarketer, but part of my job was selling things and calling people and that became very relatable to me. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I, mm, call center stuff. I've never had to do that before, but everything I see about it makes me feel like there is no way I would survive in that environment. Yeah, it, it's not a fun time, but you do get some very entertaining people who call in or that you have to call. Like, I'm sure that I'll bring up stories about that on the podcast throughout different episodes. But just to give you a taste, there was one customer that I had to call, and I don't remember how it came into the subject that her husband had passed away. And I expressed my condolences, and I said, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And she said, oh, honey, he was 84 years old. So it's not the fact that he died, it's how he died. Oh my and I wanted to ask her so badly, how did he die? But I'm like, I know that this call is being recorded. I don't think I can ask her. So I've been thinking about this woman for almost two years now. Oh my gosh. How he died. Oh, that would just, there's just a lot to think about there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little taste of the, the people that you talk to on the phone. But yeah, um, I would say that my overall thoughts on this movie is that it's it's saying a lot while also keeping it light for the most part which after doing some research I've learned that that's very intentional like Boots Riley wanted this movie to be fun but also to kind of send out a message and that's partially why it's called sorry to bother you like sorry to bother you with how terrible things are but in case you didn't know <laughs> So I thought that was pretty cool, and yeah, it has a great cast. I still am not quite sure how I feel about the third act twist, which we will get to. I'm still processing that. That's the thing for me as well. I didn't want to say too much in my overview, but I definitely was like, you had me for the first two thirds. You had me for the first two thirds, and the third act for me was just like, I don't know, but I'm still thinking about it. So as like a year later, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, like this is one of the reasons why I wanted to get into doing a film podcast because I wanted to talk about movies like this with people because nobody on the internet talks about this. How have we kept this a secret for years? That's what I want to know. <laughs> this, oh my gosh. I mean, that's a good question. I'm, I'm just baffled. I will say in the rare case of this movie that I think it almost would have worked better as a series than it does as a movie, and I would rarely ever say that because for the most part I think that TV shows kind of um, go past their expiration date and they're not as concise as they should be, but in this case I would have liked to see more of everything and I would have liked to see more of the side characters developed and I loved, like you said, the aesthetic style of this and the first two thirds that I would have liked to see that stretched out a little bit more. Like, this would have worked perfectly as a Showtime 30-minute comedy series. Or HBO, like, yeah. limited, yeah. Like, just something that runs for a short amount of time, but just is more expanded. I think that that could have really helped overall. 
Yeah, I think that Boots Riley had, like you said, a lot to say and was limited mm-hmm. by the feature film um, constraints, right? So I definitely agree that like a, a miniseries or like even just a single season run of a show would have maybe done this a little more justice. Yes, absolutely. So do you want to get into spoilers? Let's do it. Let's stop dancing around it. Oh my gosh. So I have to ask you, what what was your thought process as this was happening? And I'm glad that we're kind of on the same page with kind of not knowing what to think about it, but I'm just curious what your exact thoughts are now that we can talk about them. Now that we can speak openly. Yes, yes. Um. So I, like, Boots Riley's not shy about saying that Jeff Bezos, I mean, Steve Lift, is a trash human being and that his company is corrupt and is taking advantage and basically doing the modern form of slavery. Like, that's the whole through line. And it comes across very apparently. So when Cash goes to the party and he finds the uh, equestrian people whose actual species name I don't remember, Mm -hmm. but when he finds them, I was like, He's having a trip. This is a trip. He he just yeah, did drugs. That's what I was He's thinking. having a trip and spent the whole time doing that. And then when we watched the friendly little like claymation video, I was like, oh my God, he just took this drug. And then I went back and forth for the entire rest of the movie until it was revealed that he took the drug <laughs> going. He's going to turn into one. No, he's not. No, he's going to turn into one. No, it was just a trip. Like uh-huh. the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say that I think it is, like, the pacing of this movie does a great job of spacing out the big reveal versus Cash actually turning into a, I wrote down the term, Equisapien? Equisapien, that's it. I was like, I couldn't remember it, but it's something with equestrian. Yeah, something along those lines. Like, I think that it's spaced out enough that you do start to forget about it. You definitely do because he has like the whole talk show run and everything and the reuniting with his like his buddies who did the strike and his girlfriend and every like all of that happens. And and like he has one, maybe two freakouts about it. And then you have all this time where they're like fighting back and you're like, okay, so we're clear. So we're in the clear. Uh huh. And you're just not. You're just not. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's uh. It's something. I'm still processing it. I'm like, wow, what? how do I even put this into words? How do I articulate my thoughts exactly on this? Something that I do find... Oh, it's been a year and I'm in the same spot, so I feel you there. I'm glad that we are on the same page with that. I do think it's interesting, though, that Cash thinks that he's going to make this huge change by showing the world what worry-free is actually up to. And the fact that it kind of backfires and that the stock just rises is like so perfectly um looking for the right word here but it just really shows how the world actually unfortunately works and that if something like that were to happen that a company would profit off of that instead of lose money it's like they're too big to fail that yeah that mentality where it's like if you're rich you're just gonna get richer no matter what happens like that there's no there's no downside for you that there's no that bad press is still good press for you that that whole thing is like oh god 
speaking to how like morally bankrupt it like the society is that it's not just worry free right Mm -hmm. it's uh it's quite a trip that's for sure oh yeah that was that was the part of the movie where too where i was just like okay so is there no justice you know and then like you of course have like the ending and everything um that there's a lot more justice but it comes in the form of like essentially mob violence right but that was definitely something where I was not expecting the movie to necessarily go that direction so um that was that was a lot it was a lot it kind of ends on an ambiguous note too which I'm glad that there is that post-credit scene that ends with all of the equisapiens storming Steve Lift's house but storming Steve Lift I just I need to know like how Cash's family and friends reacted to him becoming a horse right and like does the antidote actually exist because that was the thing for me is I was like Steve Lips talking about like you do this program and then we give you the antidote after x amount of time blah 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 and I'm like buddy there ain't no antidote like that there is no way that there's an antidote right you know and that so that was where I was left is I was just like okay so these people just exist now in this form and like have to find a way in society like holy shit you know it's yeah I think that's something that could benefit from it being a series too is that maybe they could put more of that in there more questions would be answered or even if they're not answered maybe you're led to believe one thing or another instead of all of this ambiguity at the end I get it, though. Like, I mean, it's the whole Christopher Nolan end of Inception thing, right? Like, you decide. Yeah. You decide what happens. And so I get that. And I know that the point is, like, this happened either way. And whether or not there's an antidote, it doesn't change the fact that this happened and all these people were exploited and used and abused, right? And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. oh, boy, that's a heavy takeaway, you know? But, I mean, I think that's what Boots Riley wanted. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that... He definitely succeeded in leaving an impact on people. Oh, yeah. I have to say, so the last time that I watched a movie that stuck with me this much that I was like, I don't know if I liked that or not, but I can't stop thinking about it. It was Drive. Another movie that I eventually want to cover on this podcast. (laughs) It just sticks with you, you know, and like I Mm -hmm. it was great. I I. Like, there's never going to be me being like, oh, this was bad. But I also just can't commit to saying like, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. You know, like I'm somewhere in the middle with it. I can't decide. And it's just, it's not one of those things that you can see happening beforehand at all. Like, there's some movies where they will just throw in a bonkers twist at some point. But you can kind of put the pieces together if you rewatch it or... It foreshadows it in some way, but I feel like this did not do that at all. Like, nothing would lead you lead you to believe that there would be this genre-bending twist two-thirds of the way through. No. And, like, the way the film is set up, it's, it's essentially just, like, worry-free is doing horrible things. And so, like, you're sitting here going, okay, so how horrible? Like, what are the bad things that they're mm-hmm. doing explicitly? And, like, you can imagine a whole bunch of stuff, but there's no way you are going to think they're turning people into horse people. Like, that no. that was not, like, that didn't cross your mind. But, like, that's the point, right? Is that you're going for this, like, absurd angle. Like, we're going to tell you that they're doing this 
um, like just absolutely batshit thing, right? And like, here it is. They're doing it. And it didn't take away from the movie to throw that in there. Like it changed it, but it didn't take away from the storyline that they already had built up. So no. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think that this movie, while it is very unique, it does follow kind of a predictable pattern in, oh, Cash gets hired at this telemarketer as a telemarketer, not at this telemarketer. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> um, that he gets okay. hired to be a telemarketer and he's going to kind of find his area of expertise and he'll climb up the corporate ladder and begin to start ditching his friends or making questionable moral choices and eventually there will be a turning point and he'll come back down to earth and this and that and it's not that that didn't happen that did but you also just throw in the fact that there's horse people and it ends with him becoming a horse person and leading a horse uprising and uh I mean, okay, so one of the things that was really out there for me in this movie, and this is going to sound maybe silly compared to the horse people and, like, mm-hmm. Detroit's performance art and everything, the the show he goes on to try and expose worry-free. Oh, my god! Where it's like they beat the crap out of him, and then he gets to tell his story. I'm like, I mean, that's what reality television, television feels like I'm watching oh, for yeah. sure. But that just, it just felt so funny and wild to have it set up that way like in such an exaggeration that was still so true they don't beat around the bush at all it's called i got the shit kicked out of me like that is the name of the show it's like a literal thing and that is man it just really feels like reality tv it does i'm i'm shocked that we haven't gotten to that yet (laughs) sometimes i feel like that's what fear factor was and we're way past it now you know (laughs) that's true Oh, gosh. Is there anything else you would want to touch on? Because I feel like after jumping towards the huge plot twist, I'm like, well, how can I step back and talk about other aspects of this movie? Okay, so one thing I do want to mention is that the plot point of, like, using your white voice. I don't know about you, but I'm big into, like, voice actors, and I like to identify the voices used. And so in this one, I was like, oh, that's David Cross. Oh, that's Patton Oswalt. Like, you know, the whole time. Uh-huh. So um, that that was – I thought that was really funny, and I like it as a plot device. I know it's been used in other media and stuff. But so the whole concept of, like, well, use your white voice to be successful. And then he finally gets up to, like, the top floor, right, with the power sellers and everything. And you have the character whose name is always bleeped. And he never drops his white voice mm-hmm. until the party, right right before Cash ends up snorting the cocaine. And I don't, it just was a very powerful plot device, I mm-hmm. felt, to, to use that. And, like, they really went for the star power in this movie. Like, you got some signature voices in there. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was kind of the initial selling point of the movie. And it is kind of the big aspect of the movie that makes it stand out until you get to the third act so I'm glad that we kind of circled it back around to what they were selling in the trailers for it (laughs) I do what I can yeah thank you for that (laughs) yeah gosh this is such an interesting movie I'm very intrigued to see what Boots Riley does next me too I'm very excited about it I know he made the soundtrack for this movie Um, Like a lot of the songs, it was an album that he had made and he made it 
several years before this movie came out, um, I believe. And I know that they used some other like classic songs, but um, so he did all the music for it too, which was very cool. And um, one of the things that I have to rewatch it for because I was trying to identify all the different like sayings on Detroit's earrings, like to attribute those quotes to places. Uh-huh. Um, and I was very caught up in it the first time I was watching. So I did not do that. <laughs> so I'm going to have to watch it again, probably. That's another detail that I very much enjoyed were the sayings on her earrings. Lots of fun quotes. I know that largely they come, they're, they're like quotations or pieces of quotations from like famous poems and famous um, like black activists and things like that from what I've read. But I haven't identified them myself, so I'm not 100% sure where they all come from. I'll have to see if maybe someone cataloged them somewhere because I don't know if I want to look at, at the horse, uh, the horse bits again. Like that was the other part of it for me. I was like, wow, just full on like went into this not expecting it to to be like i'm going to yeah. see some horse dick but here we are <laughs> like it definitely does a 180 and turns into like a body horror movie that wasn't it expecting <laughs> yes yes wow yeah and they really i know they really built like the horse suits and masks mm-hmm. and so like I, but i think there was only one <laughs> and a lot of the rest was cgi I don't know. I read a bunch about this a while ago, but um, but whatever it was, the effects were very good. I would say they're Carpenter-esque in terms of th- that, like uh, John yeah. Carpenter's The Thing. They were very good. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the budget was for this movie, but I would expect it didn't have a huge budget. But I would say that for whatever it was made for, like the the CGI and the effects are very impressive. Yeah, and I mean, it was marketed as like an indie movie, so I don't know what kind of budget it would have, but it wouldn't be on the higher end. And they had a fully like miniature animated movie inside of it. Uh, So like that's going to take a chunk of your budget too. Plus they had giant, like we said, giant names in this, like Army Hammer. Because it's not just Lakeith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson. It's like you got Danny Glover, you got Steve Yeun. Like it's a whole bunch of people. A very impressive cast, and I think that's why I'd like to see a series version of this, too, because I'd like to see more of all of them. Someone tweet at Donald Glover and be like, help help this get made. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that would be good. Well, do you have anything else you want to touch on with Sorry to Bother You before we go into the last section of the podcast? I don't think so. We've had a really good discussion. It's been great talking about this with you. Thank you. I think we had a lot of the same impressions. Yeah, I'm so glad that we did because when you said that you wanted to cover this movie, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is Audrey going to think about this? (laughs) Oh, so many things. And some of them I still don't have words for, so. Yeah, it's like once you get on and start talking about it, it's like, well, I don't know how to properly articulate my thoughts just yet, so... I just know that I have to put this out there in the world that I don't know what to think about it still. It it left an impression on me. That's all I can say. Same here. Well, have you watched any good movies or TV shows lately as TV is becoming more cinematic these days? It's true. Um, well, admittedly, I have not watched a whole lot of stuff in lockdown, but we are getting to the Christmas season. So I watched The Holiday with my sister yesterday. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. 
Um, Mine too. So it was just very feel good and very, very fun to watch. So that was a nice one. It's I was glad to watch it because I watched Happiest Season, which was a new holiday movie, and it was supposed to be really good, and I mostly did not like it. So the holiday was a nice palate cleanser. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's what I've heard about Happiest Season. I was on the fence if I was going to check it out, but then I heard a lot of negative reviews and it aspects of the plot. I don't want to trash it because like it was well made in terms of like a movie and it has a great cast and so like it was enjoyable um, to watch in that regard but it's not a romantic comedy. It was marketed as a romantic comedy and it's not. Yeah that's kind of the impression I was getting. Yeah so uh, if you're gonna watch it just go in knowing that it's going to be a dramatic time but not necessarily a romantic time. Good to know. Yeah the holiday's great. That's always a fun one to watch. I love that one. I am a sucker for Jack Black and Jude Law's character in that movie. It's like for once he's not playing like a sleaze bag. And so that's what I really enjoy. It's just very sweet. It's very sweet. And I love how it's a perfect time capsule of 2006. Like yeah. Blockbuster still exists. And oh when they're on gosh. the internet, it just looks so simple. And they're instant messaging each other. It's so charming. It is very charming. I love it. Yeah. For me, I have been watching, slowly I've been watching the Lord of the Rings movies, which I haven't. I marathoned those for my birthday. That looked like a good time. I loved seeing all of the pictures of your food that you ate throughout the day. Ah, yes, thank you. I We went full Hobbit. I was so full by the end of it. How far are you through Lord of the Rings? I am partially through the two towers at the moment, which I've been wanting to sit down and watch them all the way through. So unfortunately, I haven't gotten as far as I would like to, but I haven't rewatched them since I was in single digits when they were first released. So it's Ooh. been nice to revisit them as an adult and have a completely different perspective. That's awesome. Well, keep enjoying. Thank you. And I also, for the first time, watched Batman Returns, another great Christmas movie. Yes. I'm not a huge Batman person. I've said before and I will say again that Lego Batman is my favorite Batman movie. Well, he's the best Batman, so. He is. I will say that this was probably my second favorite, though, if only because of the very strong Tim Burton aesthetic that wasn't very present in the first one, but is very present in the second one. So if you like Tim Burton movies, check it out. It's a good one. It is. Audrey, do you have anything that you would like to plug at this time? I have. Okay, so I have two things. Uh, the first is that speaking of Lord of the Rings, I host a podcast uh, with my friend Kayla, who has never read or seen any of the Lord of the Rings a series and I am obsessed with them and so we host a podcast called Mordor She Wrote. Oh my gosh I love that name. <laughs> yeah we it's not published yet we have our promo coming out next week but we'll be by the time this episode goes out probably it will be out there mm -hmm. at least one episode so um so check that out and then I'm also the co-author of a tabletop game called Spaceships and Starworms. You can find us at Starworms on Twitter. If you like D&D &D and you wish that it was sci-fi, you should check us out. So that's what I've got. Those are both very exciting projects. Thank you very much for coming on here. 
and uh, enjoy the episode, everyone.